We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. And good Monday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Jenna today. A lot of news happening over the weekend, and we're going to get try to get through most of that. But um, a lot of you probably, depending on when you went to bed last night, probably want to know what uh, happened with the Super Bowl. Uh, full confession right up front. I did not catch the start of the game. I was late getting home, and I had to go to bed early because I had to get up and do this program this morning. So uh, I found out this morning uh, that the Chiefs uh, were victorious in overtime. Now, I caught most of the game in the middle there, and uh, it was certainly a comeback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Two Super Bowls uh, in a row. They're third in the last five years, I think. And uh, a very, very exciting game, 25-22 to 22, uh, being the final score. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you are very happy this morning. If you're with the 49ers, close. But, you know, as they say, close only counts in horseshoes. You know, that's, that's about the bottom line in all of this. But the crowds, oh, my goodness. And, of course, it's always interesting to watch the commercials uh, it is, what was it? $7 million for a 30 second commercial, $7 million. Uh, there is a bit of controversy. Uh, some people were talking about what was their favorite commercial it had to do, I think with Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. Uh, it may have been cause it had some big names in it. Uh, but, uh, there was a commercial, uh, for Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and apparently, um, and it was kind of using a voice from a former Kennedy campaign many years ago, and it had like old pictures in there. And uh, apparently, some of the Kennedy family got really upset when they saw it. they were apparently watching the game. They got upset about that, and then RFK Jr. issued a an apology. Uh, overnight last night, he didn't know anything about it. He says it was a pack, one of those political action committee money. They have lots of money and they decided to spend $7 million and created this ad. I thought it was rather strange compared to everything else that was, uh, in the ads last night, some pretty funny ads, some of them. Uh, but then this kind of political advertisement showed up and, uh, and it's kind of interesting to know that RFK said he didn't know anything about it. Uh, but it was very interesting uh, there in the middle of everything. But apparently he is apologizing for it and said, uh, but, you know, it's out there now. 
and I don't know how many millions of people they estimate watched that game last night. It is one of the usual all-time world record audiences. Uh, but anyway, uh, at the end of the game, it was the Chiefs over the 49ers, 25-22. to 22. As I say, I did not see the top end of the game uh, last night. Apparently, the national anthem was sung, but then... Uh, I'm told the Black National Anthem was also performed uh, last night. You know, uh, a lot of lot of comments on social media about that. Uh, most of the comments that uh, were related to me were uh, very critical uh, of that Black National Anthem being performed at that event, uh, including from some black people who say, you know, we have one national anthem. Let's just stick to that. Why are we doing this black national anthem? And and I think many times it's you have to wonder. The left, for the most part, is very critical of the right and making charges against conservatives of being racist. But doesn't the left understand by always fractioning out certain groups of people they are the one that's promoting the idea of dividing us instead of bringing us together. And that's what the, it's called the black national anthem. So it is for one certain group of people. And, uh, and of course I could go on and on about where corporate America is, including the national football league. And it's all part of DEI diversity, uh, and you know, uh, and equality and inclusion, all of that sort of thing, those programs that unfortunately corporate America has has seen fit to get itself involved with. But why you know, for one big sport event, can we not deal with and it's let's let's face it, having the black national anthem in there is a political decision. Can we can we just get away from politics and including that RFK ad, just get away from it? Um Found it kind of interesting, speaking of politics, that Joe Biden, for the second year in a row, decided not to do the, what some people call the traditional pregame interview. Um, I guess I can understand from the Democrats' point of view why they did not want that man in the live interview. He may have received a, a tough question or two, probably. Now, I think this decision was made quite, quite long ago, uh, but given what happened last week with Joe Biden, uh, the report coming out of the special counsel saying that he did indeed mishandle those documents, but but they decided not to charge him because they didn't think a jury would convict him, not because of evidence, but because they would feel sorry. Now, this is a special counsel's uh, conclusion on this. Uh, he concluded that they would feel sorry for him because he's caught in kind of a doddering old man with a bad memory. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the program uh, because it has unleashed the venom from the White House. Uh, but a lot of people, including the mainstream media, which normally are in the pocket of the Democratic Party, have now even turned on Joe Biden. So I got more to say about that just a little bit later. But as I say, there's some other news out there we got to get to this morning. A shooting at Joel Olstein's Lakewood Church uh, yesterday. Um, they have multiple services at that church. The, uh, the incident occurred early in the afternoon. I think one report said they have an Hispanic service. They have 45,000 people that attend that church every Sunday. So they obviously have to break it up into various services. 
And apparently early in the afternoon, a woman walks in. She's got a long coat on, but she had a gun underneath. Fortunately, there was security there uh, that were able to uh, nullify her efforts. She was killed in that. And a little boy, that I, we believe that she had with her, uh, was also injured and is in serious condition in hospital. So uh, Pastor Joel Olstein, uh, I don't believe, was at the church at the time, but he was part of a news conference yesterday afternoon uh, to talk about this. And here's a little bit of that cut for you said it, Chief, it could have been a lot worse. Of course, we're devastated. I mean, this is, we've been here 65 years and have somebody shooting in your church. But, you know, we don't understand why these things happen, but we know God's in control. And we're going to pray for that little five-year-old boy and pray for the lady that was deceased, her family and all, and, and the other gentlemen. But I don't know. It's just um, kind of in a fog. But, you know, just believe that, you know, we're, we're going to stay strong. We're going to continue to to move forward and there are forces of evil but the the forces that are for us the forces of god are stronger than that so we're going to keep going strong and just uh you know doing what god's called us to do lift people up and give hope to the world again i want to thank all these gentlemen because you know i can only imagine if it would have happened during the 11 o'clock service we were in between services going into the spanish service so you know if they're you know if there's anything good of it you know what they're they, they, she didn't get in there and do a whole lot worse damage. So we thank God for that. He's watching over all of us. And as the chief says, we're going to keep going strong and bringing hope to the world. But thank you again. That's Pastor Joel Olstein of Lakewood Church there in Houston, Texas, shooting yesterday. The uh, campus security team, which has weapons, uh, was able to bring that shooter or woman down uh, she is deceased, and as you heard there, a little boy that she had with her uh, is in serious condition. Hey, listen, it just points once again, folks, that we're living in a different world today. Uh, so many churches, even in smaller communities, now have security uh, on campus, a very visible security. Uh, many times there are others, members of churches, that are also carrying weapons, Um it is just the day and age in which we live. There are bad people out there. There are unstable people out there. And in this case, we don't know the backstory, obviously, of this. It just occurred yesterday. But what was the motivation of this woman wanting to show up at church and just open fire on someone? We'll probably get that story at some point. But uh, as I say, it is just uh, another reality check that our churches. Uh, need to think about security, uh, need to think about having somebody there uh, to protect people. I, this, this goes back many years. I mean, this is, some people say COVID. No, it goes back, it goes way back beyond that because of incidents at churches and uh, they initiated these security teams. So if your church does not have one, uh, I'm sure it's been talked about in some measure. I know a lot of churches, cameras now, uh, on parking lots, that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, it, I guess the good news coming out of this that no, the per, none of the parishioners uh, were injured yesterday. Uh, but uh, we need to be praying for the security of, of at churches. All right, uh, other news breaking this morning. Defense Secretary Austin is back in hospital uh, this morning. Uh, he was hospitalized again yesterday to address a bladder issue. 
uh, as he continues to cover treatment for prostate cancer. Uh, he apparently is uh, in a uh, an intensive care unit uh, this morning. They're dealing with more of the, the bladder problems. But unlike the first time he went to hospital uh, in late December, early January, apparently everything was put in order. In other words, the deputy defense secretary uh, was notified uh, and she was put in charge. I think around last evening, Austin uh, initially intended to retain the functions and duties of his office, but around 5 o'clock last night, he transferred those authorities to Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks. You remember in the first incident, it's hard to believe that this happened. Now, Austin has apologized in the wake of all of that, but uh, uh, yesterday everything was done well. In the first incident, not even the president knew for several days that his defense secretary uh, was in hospital. But our prayers for De- uh, Defense Secretary Austin uh, for a complete recovery. All right. Um, Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, um, is up for a second impeachment vote tomorrow, they tell us. But he was on the news programs during the weekend and again saying he's not responsible for what's happening at the border. It's all Congress's fault. Cut number three. It certainly is a crisis, and well, we don't bear responsibility for a broken system, and we're doing a tremendous amount within that broken system. But fundamentally, fundamentally, Congress is the only one who can fix it. There is no question that we have a challenge, a crisis at the border, and there is no question that Congress needs to fix it, and we're doing everything we can within that broken system. You know... <laughs> It's hard to be kind when you hear these comments coming, in this case, from Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary. But also the Democrats are now saying the same thing. This is all the Republicans' fault for not giving them more money. We all know that is a bold-faced lie. As soon as Joe Biden took office, he extinguished all the measures that uh, former President Trump had put in place to secure our border, like remain in Mexico. Instead, Joe Biden orchestrated an invasion of this country. He opened it up. He had promised that. Remember during when he was running for president, he said, I will invite, I'll invite uh, these people into the country. I'll invite a surge, was the term he used. I'll invite a surge at the border. And now, how naive do they think the American people are? How stupid do they think the American people are? The American people aren't buying this for a second. They have seen what has transpired on our border under Joe Biden, and they understand who's who's responsible for this. This was planned, it's all in place, but now they're trying to pull this political stunt in the election year to try to blame someone else. All right, much more ahead here on Gen Analysis in the Morning. Fred Jackson sitting in. We'll see you right after the break. 
Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a very bad place. She didn't know how she could raise a child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic, and God led her to a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying, and the nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. And indeed, welcome back to this Monday morning edition of Jenna Ellis in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Jenna today. She's taking the day off, a little bit of rest, a little bit of an extended weekend. Happy to be here and to fill in so much, so much going on in the news. You know, I have to wonder if uh, the United States Supreme Court has already made its decision uh, in that case that was argued last week. This had to do with a decision from the Colorado Supreme Court to try to keep former President Trump off the ballot in that state. Uh, the case was argued last week. Uh, the assessment, even amongst the liberal media who listened in on the arguments, is that uh, the Colorado Supreme Court decision will be uh, overturned. And uh, just because of some of the questions, even from the more liberal justices on the Supreme Court saying, you know, to have a one state keep a candidate off a presidential ballot, that is not, not you know, it's just not right. Anyway, to discuss this and some other things, all Colorado, we are joined this morning by Kevin Lundberg. Uh, Kevin has served in the Colorado State Senate and has been very much involved also with the Home Educators of Colorado. So uh, we welcome Kevin Lundberg this morning. Kevin, good morning to you. Well, thank you very much. It's great being with you. Yes. Were you up late last night watching football? You know, I kind of lost my uh, my excitement about uh, the NFL uh, a few years ago, so I'm okay. afraid I don't even know who won. Uh, well, let me be the first <laughs> to inform you. It was the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, in oh, okay. Well, well in a nail-biter. The... <laughs> oh, well... Well, good, good. I'm glad to hear they did well. But yeah, I've just been a little bit too busy. You're, you're quite right. A lot of things have been happening in a lot of places, and I stay very actively involved with with uh, much of that here in Colorado. So I was up late working on on uh, other things that need to be uh, a little more important. <laughs> That's to, uh, right. To what's happening? Need to be addressed. That is for sure. Well, Kevin, uh, great to have you with us this morning. Kevin, I, I, I just. I want to give our folks uh, an insight into the politics of Colorado right now. A lot of people, uh, I, you know, the Colorado Supreme Court decision was actually led, I think, by the Secretary of State in your state. What is it about the politics of Colorado that they would think 
that Donald Trump is a danger uh, to the rest of the nation and they're going to take action against him. Uh, it's got to do with the chemistry of your state right now. Well, it's got to do with the hard left attitude in the, on the part of the legislature and indeed the governor as well. It, it's That's it, just, I mean, they're going that direction with everything. So it wasn't a big surprise to me that uh, this got some traction in Colorado. Uh, of course, it was the uh, uh, the Secretary of State who, who took the initial action to say, well, I, I don't know if he should be on the ballot or not. And, uh, um, and, and there were some people who, of course, challenged it in court, uh, but but the initial court came down with no, no, we we shouldn't do that. But um, but he was guilty of insurrection. That first judge says, uh, and then it, they bump it up to the Colorado Supreme Court, and the Colorado Supreme Court said, well, look, the judge said that it was insurrection, so apparently uh, we we need to keep him off the ballot, and uh, it's it's. It's bizarre, hard-left politics from start to finish. And, and we see this at, at, at so many levels. You, you know, the Secretary of State. Uh, here's another thing I'm working on right now, and, and that's to put on the ballot to the people of Colorado some, some questions to limit all this transgender ideology that's being forced on kids in public schools. Mm. Well, we have to go through uh, what's called the title board that's composed of uh, somebody from the Secretary of State, the Attorney General's office, and the legislature. And we can't get them to, to, uh, to allow anything on the ballot. I say that, that there's one item, and that's uh, to, uh, to, uh, um, to tell parents if their child is going through some uh, gender confusion uh, in their schools, because the schools hide it to a large degree from parents. Um, but there again, the politics overrules the the real procedure. And uh, so uh, it, it happens everywhere. And, it, and it's in the courts. It has been rampant for a long time in the legislature. It's been I'm, by a long time. I mean, decades. Um, I mean, I remember back in the, the 2019, uh, well, let's see, 20, uh, 2000 and 2001 when they were redistricting and the, um, the, the courts heavy, heavy left. And then, then the legislature came in because that's when I entered the legislature back then. And they had, um, and we, we finally drew the map. And then the, the Supreme Court said, no, 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 we drew the map already, so the legislature, which the Constitution requires they do, isn't going to do that. We did it because we're the legislature from time to time. I kid you not, that's what they decided back then. And why? Because we've had 50 years of governors that have been appointing people to the left, with, with the exception of one governor, uh, and he put a few good people on. But, you know, funny thing is, all these liberal ones were coming from the Democrat side, and then you get a Republican in, and it, it changes. But Colorado has been a long time at the governmental level. Now, the people haven't changed that much, but the, the, uh, the, the people they're electing because of very shrewd and a lot of money, shrewd uh, political actions, have uh, the left has taken over. And this is one example. Kevin, that's a, that's a kind of an interesting assessment. You say the people haven't changed that much, so I think you're saying the the people are still conservative, but the left through 
various strategies have still taken control. A lot of people may say, well, how in the world does that happen? Is it, is it because conservatives aren't voting, or what's the issue? Well, I would call it very shrewd political management of the elections. And, oh, we could have a huge discussion on, on how the election systems in Colorado are removed from the people as well. It's the Secretary of State who's in charge of everything, even county clerks, if they try to, to uh, change anything, like, like in a lot of states— they could, uh, at the county level, choose to, to, uh, um, to go to paper ballots and hand count them. Not in Colorado. That's all prohibited by the law. It, it's because a lot of money was invested in, on the side of the left to, to switch the whole mechanics around as far as how elections are conducted and how, how uh, campaigns are conducted and, and uh, there was a book written about this called The Blueprint that a lot of people are familiar with, where several very, very wealthy people, millionaires and billionaires, poured in um, a ton of money, like 10 times as much as what we're used to on our side. And that was back in 2004. I was, I was in the House at that time, and I saw firsthand how they just manipulated the—well, for, for example— I discovered that we lost about a dozen seats that, that year in the House uh, to the Democrats. And, and I thought, well, who are these people? So on election night, I go and I look at their websites. And according to their website, these are real conservative, salt-of-the-earth you know, uh, folks that are Democrats, but they're going to be conservative. Well, that, that was all lies. That was all just contrived for the election to deceive the people. And they've done a pretty good job of it here. So uh, I have to wonder, with everything that you have outlined, how do you keep the spirits up of conservatives in Colorado? And and we're speaking to people across the country, conservatives, Christians, who I'm sure are just as frustrated as you are with what is going on. So what's your advice to uh, how to keep up the fight, how to keep the spirits high? Well, it kind of reminds me of what I learned in church yesterday, uh, where we were reminded that this this world is not our home, <laughs> and somebody else is in charge other than the president and the governor and the legislature. That's one thing. Keep your eye on the ball as, as far as what, what real values are in life, and that's found in Scripture, not in even in our constitutions. It's, it's found in God's Word. That's first off. But, but second, um, I'm now a grandfather, and I've got grandchildren, and I have a responsibility to do everything I can to to uh, keep on keeping on, and and thirdly, we live in a country that is has a principle of federalism where there are fifty states, and I look to some of the other states that are doing the right things, and they encourage me greatly, um, and I point to them and say that's where we need to head. Um, if we give up and go home, it gets worse, but if we stay in the fight. Uh, we we can engage in the battle, and uh, as I say, I my my trust is in God. My trust is not in any politician, including myself. <laughs> you know, uh, Kevin, it's interesting, um, and you're exactly right. I mean, our hope is in the Lord, and our, our eternal security is there, is in Christ Jesus. Uh, but you know, sometimes. Uh, churches and church leaders will give the advice, well, 
you know, our, our future is secure in the Lord, so why waste our time with politics? How do you respond to that criticism that, that Christians should just stay out of the political realm because it's all corrupt? Well, it, it certainly goes against the principles of, of, uh, that I find in Scripture, because we are to be the salt and the light to, the, to engage in the culture. When you see what Jesus did, he didn't go and run and talk to all of the, you know, the, 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 the closest uh, believers in, in, uh, uh, in, in, in his day. No, he went and uh, uh, went and engaged with life at every level. He was criticized because he was with the sinners, you know, what they considered, and, and, because we're all sinners. But, but uh, Jesus didn't back off, and we shouldn't either. Uh, and and especially when you see uh, things like uh, like the sanctity of life being threatened, or or the the uh, the actual values of of uh, marriage, and and now uh, a huge element, and and this is in bill after bill after bill in the Colorado legislature, are threatening the very concept of what is a man and a woman. I mean. Such fundamental values are being twisted in such, you know, such a dramatic way. We have no choice but to be engaged and to get involved. I, I, uh, I just can't emphasize that enough. Anybody who thinks that well, God will simply take care of it, is missing what God has told them to do in their life on this planet. Uh, talking with Kevin Lumberg uh, in Colorado, has been involved with politics there, including uh, a time in the Colorado State Senate, and uh, was elected to the full term in the Senate, re-elected to a second term in 2014. But, uh, Kevin, you've been uh, had the privilege of serving on the Board of Trustees for Colorado Christian University for many years, and you also helped find the Christian Home Educators of Colorado uh, back way back in 1990. Talk to us a little bit about that and your involvement there and, and, and the thrust of your mission there. Well, I'd, I'd say those are both examples of the same thing I've been talking about, which is we have to engage in our culture. Uh, my wife and I, we chose to homeschool our, our uh, children uh, many, many years ago and uh, realized that there needed to be a, a, uh, um, an organization with biblical values working with homeschool families. And so we helped found Christian Home Educators of Colorado way back when, man, that's like 34 years ago. Mm. Amazing. Um, but uh, it, 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 was, um, it, it, it was because we can't just live in our own little shell. And, and so, too, it, uh, with Colorado Christian University, I, I still serve as a trustee there, I have for many years uh, uh, be having meetings this week with them, and my goal there is to make sure that that university stays true to biblical values, and and I can say without a doubt that it it is one of those shining lights in in the country in that regard, um, and God is blessed. God has blessed both of those organizations far beyond what I would have ever dreamed, uh, because we. We stayed true to what we see in Scripture. I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, at every every level, and you know, I mentioned that I'm working with a just helped found another organization called Protect Kids Colorado. 
which is uh, aimed at the same thing. Only we're we're really focused on, in on on keeping uh, the uh, um, the laws in the state in such a way that that public schools can't go rush kids down that road. And and we're trying to put a measure on the ballot to uh, protect uh, uh, girls in uh, in women's sports in public schools. Same thing. It's all there for the same reason, uh, to to uh, bring biblical values back to the forefront in our culture, even as we were founded upon many, many centuries ago now. Kevin, we're almost out of time, but uh, given the political, the liberal politics of Colorado, have you, these organizations, Colorado Christian University and the Home Educators, have you faced much political opposition to what you're trying to do? Because it runs 180 degrees to the values of the left. Oh, well, of course. Of course. I'm one of the big bad guys, you know, on, on the right. <laughs> so when you're over the target, you're going to catch flack. And, yeah, we see that, and you know, in, in every area. But we need to get things out. And, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, didn't say that. I just put a documentary together on this whole transgender thing called Art Club. Okay. Uh, which is uh, uh, another way of, of getting the word out and putting biblical values between people. And, and if you'll allow me to just tell people, if you go to artclubmovie.com, you can see the movie for free. All it's right. a documentary that's that's very, sad. it's being engaged. Uh, um, we're getting a great response on it. Super, super. Well, I tell you what, the Christian community across the country needs those kinds of resources because it's not just Colorado, it's across the country that Christians are facing this kind of opposition today. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we'll keep praying for you, sir. Well, thank you. It's great uh, having a conversation here, and keep doing what you're doing as well. Amen. Amen. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. And indeed, welcome back to this Monday edition of Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Jenna this morning. And uh, if you're just waking up and just joining us and you didn't stay up last night to watch the end of the game, it became a good night for the Kansas City Chiefs. In overtime, 25-22 was the score. Uh, If you're a 49ers fan, maybe next year. (laughs) Is that what they say? Hey, listen, I have to be totally upfront about this. 
I am not a big football fan. I, I, I know that's almost committing some kind of crime, especially if you live in the South. Uh, but I come from the North. Uh, hockey is my game. But you know what? Uh, we have started, and I don't know when this tradition started at our house, but uh, the one NFL game we do watch uh, is the Super Bowl at our house because, hey, listen, they're playing for all the marbles. And uh, so it's all out. And I have so many people around me here at work who educate me about the teams. Uh, so I, I, I try to get up on it. And I, I, I like reading the stories about uh, Christians, the Christian players in the game, and, uh, and how they are not afraid to praise the Lord. So uh, that is rewarding, and it's a blessing. And there were some of those Christian players last night that certainly did that. So uh, so if you're a Chiefs fan, you're celebrating today, uh, although it was a good game. If it get, any sport, hockey or, or football, if it goes into overtime, folks, that means those two teams were uh, fairly evenly matched. And uh, that's what we saw last night in that game, 25 to 22. So uh, you're celebrating. Uh, but, you know, I even saw some of the 49ers fans who were interviewed last night after the game and uh, one, one young lady in particular said, hey, we had two great teams. And uh, there'll be lots of Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, who did what, who did what wrong, all of that sort of thing. That's all part uh, of sports. Uh, but uh, back to the news of the day. There is good news out of the Middle East this morning. Uh, Israeli forces have been able to rescue two more hostages uh, they stormed a heavily guarded apartment in the Gaza Strip and were able to extract the captives who were under fire in a dramatic raid uh, that was a small but very symbolic, significant success for Israel, getting to those two hostages. And the bigger, bigger story that is developing here is, is, is certainly, uh, you know, what I believe, and this is very dangerous for the United States to start turning on um, turning on Israel. But first, uh, this morning on uh, Fox and Friends, Morgan Ortegas, you may remember uh, that she was uh, on the Trump administration, a spokesman for the Secretary of State's office. Uh, but she talked a little bit this morning about the rescue of these two hostages, cut number five. Apparently two Israeli hostages have been freed by, uh, freed by the Israelis. They were held by Hamas. Apparently, upstairs at somebody's uh, residential home, but there's still 134 held somewhere in Gaza by Hamas. Yes, at least. And among those, by the way, at least six Americans. Uh, we did have more Americans that were held captive by this terrorist group. But, Steve, unfortunately, two have died in captivity um, in, the, in the past few weeks. If you look just at this operation, this sort of thing, Steve, takes uh, takes weeks, takes could be you know months, depending on what the operation yeah. is. It takes a long time to plan. So this is thorough, is incredibly impressive uh, by the IDF. And this is the kind of thing that a government should be doing when their citizens are held hostage. And right. that's why I think we have to use this opportunity to be grateful that we have the hostages back, but we must continue to put pressure right. and call on this administration to also get the Americans home. We still have six Americans Indeed. held hostage by a terror group, and it's unacceptable. That was Morgan Ortega's uh, responding this morning to the news that two more hostages have been rescued by the Israelis. But, you know, we're, we're, we're four months uh, past uh, that horrible massacre that occurred on October 7th in southern Israel, 
when more than 1,200 Israeli men, women, and children were massacred and more than 200 hostages taken. And, you know, the initial response, at least from the Biden administration, was one, we're all in for Israel on this. Um, What was shocking was, even here in America, within 48 hours, we had anti-Israel protesters, particularly on our university campuses. They were cheerleading Hamas, and they were condemning Israel for responding, for wanting to go in to rescue those hostages and to put an end, finally, to Hamas terrorists ruling Gaza. You know, as many people have said on October 6th, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the real solution here is a two-state solution. Well, there were two states living side by side, for the most part, peacefully on October the 6th. But Hamas and the terrorists always initiate. Israel ends up having to defend itself. Israel does not initiate the battles. But here we are, four months later, and it is very, very troubling that we are now seeing this administration increasingly openly starting to talk about Israel is the bad guy in all of this. And the latest accusation came from the president himself, Joe Biden. Last Thursday, he was asked by a reporter about the the latest news coming out of Gaza. Israel has now moved its operation down into the southern part. Uh, A city of Rafah is being surrounded. But Joe Biden, I want you to listen to what he had to say. Cut number one. I'm of the view, as you know, that the conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, has been um, over the top. And the Washington Post is reporting this morning, talking to several senior administration officials and advisors, saying that they no longer view you as a productive partner who can be influenced even in private, that Netanyahu has angered U.S. officials on several occasions in just the past few days. Yeah, that was a a portion of Shannon Bream's interview uh, with Netanyahu uh, during the weekend. And uh, I, I want you to hear his response to that, the you know, she's bringing to attention the growing opposition to Israel, to what it is doing. And you've read the headlines, the mainstream media, uh, very critical of Israel for what it is doing, for wanting to go in and destroy Hamas. And you get more and more uh, the daily pictures of the destruction uh, that Israel has had to go into these buildings. They're, they're there hunting out these Hamas terrorists who are hiding in tunnels and uh, and 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 hiding behind their the women and children there in, in Gaza, and so Netanyahu has been has been facing this question. Uh, look, don't you think you could still accomplish your goal uh, by doing something else? And he kind of throws up, "What else do you want us to do?" So here's the response uh, from Netanyahu. Cut number two. Look, we were attacked in the worst attack on Jewish people since the Holocaust. That's, uh, that October 7th massacre was equivalent to 29 11s in one day, and the equivalent of 50,000 Americans slaughtered, uh, burnt, maimed, raped, beheaded, 
uh, and 10,000 Americans taken hostage, including mothers and children. So what would America's response be? I'd say that it would be at least as strong as Israel's, and many Americans tell me we would have flattened them. We would have turned them into dust. Well, we're proceeding as John Spencer, a world-renowned military historian and the head of urban warfare at West Point said, we're proceeding as no other army has on earth in taking precautions to prevent civilian casualties. We're putting flyers in there. We're calling on the cell phones, Palestinian civilians, telling them to get out of harm's way. Hamas is trying to keep them in harm's way at gunpoint and often at gunfire. Uh, we are uh, creating safe corridors. We're allowing humanitarian help to get to safe zones. So we're going out of our way to prevent those civilian casualties. I'd say that Israel is, uh, has responded in a way that is responsible, but also determined. We have to maintain coolness of judgment, the right uh, efforts to secure civilian exit, but at the same time, iron determination to wipe Hamas, the Hamas terrorist organization, off the face of this earth. And that's something we will do. We will do it, and we will do it responsibly. You know, there was an article, and it's on our website, AFN.net, AFN.net. Uh, the title of the article, Jewish Journalist, Biden's Support for Israel Has Morphed into Contempt. And uh, when you have time, I would invite you to go and read that. Because Carolyn Glick, uh, the author, uh, she is a contributing editor for the Jewish News Syndicate, and uh, she she did an interview with Tony Perkins on Washington Watch last week, and and you get information from her. She is a trusted journalist on Middle East reporting, and uh, there were two aspects that that she addressed that you don't see in the mainstream media in this country. And number one is the Israelis uh, are being pressured to allow more uh, supplies, food, et cetera, et cetera, into Gaza. Well, here's the problem. And uh, it's that Hamas still controls the people there. They have controlled the people since 2007. They are terrorists. And Carolyn Glick reported that what's happening with these supplies that um, immediately Hamas takes control. Those trucks that you probably have seen videos, those trucks coming in from Egypt uh, across that border, Hamas immediately takes control of that. And they're willing to feed their people who are loyal to them. And they have no problem starving, starving the residents that you see. So what you're seeing is a very distorted picture in the mainstream media of what is going on in Gaza. You're getting these figures of 26, 27,000 people killed. Two aspects there. Many of those, the Israelis say that they have killed thousands of Hamas terrorists in this operation. But also you have to remember that Hamas uses human beings, women and children, as shields. And that's a point that Netanyahu's had to make over and over and over again. Sometimes we try to credit Hamas as thinking the way we do in the West, that we in the West would never do that kind of thing, but they are terrorists. Need we have to remind you, in the hours after that massacre on October the 7th, some of those Hamas terrorists were calling their relatives in Gaza celebrating the fact that they had killed six, seven, eight, ten Jews. 
Who thinks that way? We have that. We have difficult difficulty understanding that kind of thinking. But that is the Hamas mindset. And yet, the United States, the Biden administration, now wants to, you know, Israel to back off. They want Israel to to pull back. You heard Joe Biden saying they're over the top. Well, how would the United States? Let's just pretend for a moment, and and Netanyahu kind of alluded to this. What if we had a terrorist organization in charge of things in Mexico? And they had just come across our border and slaughtered thousands of Americans. Would we just say, okay, too bad that happened? No. We would want to go in and destroy Hamas, the Hamas terrorists running things in Mexico. And would we certainly surrender after a while because of international pressure and just withdraw and hope that Hamas doesn't do it again? We don't face that kind of threat here. And that maybe is why sometimes the mainstream media is allowed to get away with their lies because we just don't believe Hamas is that bad. One of the other things in this article on AFN.net, uh, with, uh, based on the interview that uh, Tony Perkins did with Carolyn Glick, is that there, there is an avenue for residents of Gaza there's a possibility they could leave. But the United States doesn't want those residents to leave Gaza. There are countries that are willing to take them. In her article that she wrote on February the 5th, uh, she talks about our, you know, countries like Canada and other European countries that are willing to take them. But she says the Biden administration is amongst those that doesn't want the Palestinians to leave because they are so in the pocket of interests in the Middle East that they want a Palestinian state. And that's the way they keep preaching. There can be no two-state solution with one side, one state, whose leaders say, you know, from the river to the sea, they want Israel wiped off the face of the earth. How are you supposed to make peace with an organization and go back many years when, uh, Yasser Arafat headed up the Palestinians. You know, Camp David Accords, Palestinians got 90% of what they wanted, but he pulled out at the end because he was making too much money. He died a millionaire, taking much of that Western aid. Netanyahu says this, this has got to continue, and he says the Israeli people are behind him in this operation. Do we feel for those innocent Palestinians who are being killed? Of course we do. But Netanyahu and the Israeli government cannot stop. All right. Much more news you'll hear throughout the day here on American Family Radio. Great to be with you this morning. Jenna Ellis will return once again real soon. We'll see you again real soon. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? 
Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.